This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. And, and, and today I want to talk about a, a topic that we need to talk about as a church on a regular basis because it's about doctrine. There's a certain doctrine. It's the doctrine of baptism. And baptism is a very, very important part of the Christian life. It's a very important part for a believer. And some of you have been baptized. Some of you haven't been baptized. And, and, and some of you need to really think about where you are with God. The Bible talks about baptism and water. And, and, and I'd like to just read an extract from our statement of faith. We say this in our statement of faith. It says, baptism in water is by immersion and is a direct commandment of our Lord and is for believers only. This ordinance is a symbol of the Christian's identification with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Matthew 28, verse 19 says, Therefore go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been joined together in, his likeness, in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Again, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, it says that we are buried with him in baptism, in whom also you were raised through faith of the working of of God raising him from the dead. And then in Acts chapter 8, listen to this. This is amazing. This is the story of an Ethiopian who couldn't understand the scriptures, who was confused, who had heard some stories, and Philip joins him in his chariot, in his journey. It says, and as they passed along the way, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, it's lawful. Then he answered and said, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded him and the chariot to stand still. And they both went into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they had come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that he, so the eunuch saw him no more. But the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Boy, let me tell you something. When you get baptized, there's something that happens on the inside of a person. And you will go along and you will be rejoicing. So let's just talk a little bit about baptism. What, what, the symbol of baptism is very, very important. It's the, the symbol of baptism is what Wayne Gruden, Wayne Gruden is one of our great theologians in the world today. And he says this about water baptism. He says, he calls it an ordinance that is observed once by each person as a sign of the beginning of his or her Christian life. So we believe in one baptism. Okay, the baptism of water. We also believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the, the baptism unto salvation, or the baptism that aligns itself with salvation and repentance of sins is the baptism in water. Okay, and so we, we believe that. Millard Erickson Another theologian defines water baptism this way. He says, water baptism is an outward symbol of an inward change which is affected 
or affected, has been affected in the believer. It serves as a public testimony to one's faith in Jesus Christ. It is an initiatory right. So, the definition of baptism implies three important symbolic meanings. And those are, number one, namely, it's an initiation. Number two, it's a purification rite. And number three, it's an identification rite. Initiation, purification, and identification. Those would be three things you could write down in the front of your Bible to help somebody about baptism one day. When we get baptized, it's an initiation rite. It's a purification rite, and it's an identification rite. Let, 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 me, let me just take a minute and clarify the difference between a sacrament. Many of us come out of traditional churches, and we had these sacraments, and they had the sacrament of baptism and an ordinance. A sacrament is a ritual that is believed to have a role in saving a person's soul. Theologically, we say it has salvific power. Salvific power. In other words... It's believed that it is essential for someone's salvation. Now, as a church, we do not believe that baptism is essential or necessary to be saved. Therefore, we do not regard it as a sacrament. An ordinance, on the other hand, is an institution that the church observes for its symbolic value in obedience to the commandment of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, we believe that Water baptism is an initiation rite. You see, when somebody comes, becomes a Christian, they are baptized as a formal and a public way of declaring that they have become part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, baptism is a public declaration. A public declaration of, first of all, repentance from sin. A public declaration of repentance from sin. Mark 1 says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Peter said it this way in Acts 2, verse 38. He says, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ to remission of sins. And then you shall receive the Holy Ghost or the, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But it's also, it's not only for the remission of sins. It's not only for Sins, but it's also to show our faith in Christ. Mark 16, 16 says this. He who believes and is baptized, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Well, that's a pretty powerful statement that our faith is dependent upon our belief followed by our obedience in water baptism. Baptism doesn't make a person a member of the body of Christ. It merely testifies to the fact that you've become a member of the body of Christ. Baptism signifies repentance from sin and rebellion against God, and it's done by the imagery of washing of sin away. Galatians 3.27 says it this way. It says, for as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. See, there's a, there's a process by where we put off the old man and we put on the new man. One of the steps of obedience to putting on that new man is to be baptized, baptized in water. Water baptism symbolizes a believer's incorporation into the body of Christ. The moment that we're saved, the Holy Spirit enters into our lives and makes us part of the body of Christ. 
When we are then baptized, that's an outward testimony to the fact that we've become new members or a member of, of the body of Christ. I, I, think, I think another way of saying it, and I love this, is that baptism is an outward sign of an inward happening. See, when we're baptized, the believer is baptized into the church, into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 indicates this. It says, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. We have all been made to drink into one spirit. So baptism is a very, very important part of our collective experience as believers. And by the way, many of you believe that because you grew up in the church, you grew up and came to church since you were a child, that you're saved. That's not true. God doesn't have grandchildren. God doesn't have any grandchildren. God only has children, sons of God. You and every one of us must make our own decision to follow Jesus and then follow him in our own obedience towards God. See, baptism is a bold and public declaration of your conversion to Christ. By the way, Christianity is not a private religion. Did you know that? It's not something you do for yourself. Oh, I have my own religion. I have my own way. Of, no, no, no. Christianity is a very public religion. Everything we do is public. Baptism is not private. It's not something you do. Oh, I'm going to go in my bath. I'm going to go in my bathtub and get a ba and get baptized. No, 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 no. Baptism is something that we say boldly and publicly that I am a Christian. I want everybody to know who I am. Number two, baptism is a, water baptism is a purification rite. In the Old Testament, there were many, many instances where people purified themselves, and they did it through a washing or a cleansing. There were many, many washings. Jesus brought this into the New Testament. He said, no, he says, be baptized for the repentance of sins. Be baptized, and we're baptized into Christ, and we're baptized, in, and we get baptized in water. The water baptism symbolizes the washing away of sins. It's uh, not actually washing away our sins. The blood of Jesus is what washes away our sins. But when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, his blood is what cleanses us from all sin. The significance of baptism is more symbolic. It symbolizes the fact that we believe and that we are showing the world that we believe our sins have been washed away. And then finally, water baptism is an identification rite. An identification right. And uh, when we're baptized, we are symbolically and mystically or supernaturally being united with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. See, Jesus, just as he died for our sin and rose to a new life, so we also die to our sinful life and we begin to live the new life, the life of the new birth in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6 says it this way in verses 3 and 4. It says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in, the, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I really believe that sometimes when we make this public statement in baptism, 
it actually comes with a grace that allows us the power to live this new life and in a very amazing way. So let me just give a quick summary. Water baptism is a symbolic act that serves as a public declaration of repentance from sin and our faith in Christ. It testifies to the fact that the believer's sins have been washed away because he was supernaturally united with Christ at his death, identifying with his burial and his resurrection. Water baptism is a symbol of our commitment to Christ. You see, baptism signifies a commitment to Christ, showing to anybody who comes, or to ourselves even, that we've made a decision to become his disciple, a disciplined follower of him. Matthew 28 says it this way. God says in verses 19 and 20, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you, even to the very end of the age. But I'll tell you what, I, I know that Jesus is with me and, and I remember my baptism. Uh, it wasn't as good as we do in our church, but it was a good baptism. But it stuck. Something I knew that I had to make a decision for Christ. And when I gave my life to Jesus and I was baptized, I publicly declared it. And I felt that I died to myself and I was going to live for him forever. A guy named Richard Averbeck, uh, he's, a, he's also a theologian. And uh, I try to refer to the best minds and the best teachings that we can possibly find in the body of Christ. And he, he made a comment about the early church. And here's what he said. He says, it would not occur to them, that's early Christians, that there could be a Christian in a local church who had not been baptized. He says, the close proximity, time-wise, between trusting in Christ and being baptized is very significant. It implies that they could not conceive of a true Christian who has not willingly or, or was not willing to express his commitment to the Lord. That was not one of the options given to the persons being evangelized. He either trusted in Christ and was baptized, knowing the implications in terms of commitment and lifestyle, or he rejected the truth. See, in the early church, it was, you, you couldn't, you, 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 it was death to you if you got baptized. If you were baptized into Christianity, that could be that you were ostracized from Judaism. It could mean that you were actually putting yourself in a position to be martyred, to be killed. So th this was not optional. This was something that, hey, are you in or are you out? Are you going to identify with Christ or aren't you? Here's, here's a question. Who should be baptized? Maybe you're here today and you've never been baptized. Or maybe you were baptized as a baby and sprinkled. Should we practice infant baptism? That's a good question. Or do we practice believer's baptism? And, 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 and I think that we have to answer this question on the basis of what the meaning of water baptism really is. You see, since water baptism is a symbol of, the, of us being, it's a symbol of the Christian life, of the beginning of the Christian life, only those who have personally committed their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ should be baptized. 
In fact, we believe in believer's baptisms. Only a believer can be baptized. Now, there's no age limit uh, on who should be baptized, but the only requirement is that the person must have understood the gospel, made a personal and responsible commitment to Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. Infant baptism, and it's widely practiced today, is the pledge on behalf of parents to raise their children in a godly manner. It's a public pledge to raise children in a godly manner. And, and I, I want you to understand that that's noble and it's even desirable. But I don't think we should confuse that with water baptism. Here in Celebration Church, we believe in not baptizing our children, but in dedicating our children. You see, water baptism is a public declaration of faith in Christ. And each of us has to make that decision for ourselves. Nobody can make that decision for us, not even our parents, as much as we'd like to. The question of how we should baptize, our style of baptism, is closely related to why we don't baptize infants or whether we should baptize infants or not, or whether we should baptize believers. Those who baptize infants do so mostly by sprinkling, whereas those who baptize adults do so by immersion. The biblical method of baptism was baptism by complete immersion. Now, although many churches still argue that sprinkling is an acceptable form of baptism, there are several factors that argue against this. Number one, the Greek word for baptize is the word baptizo. It refers to immersing something. It actually has this idea. It's dipping something into a liquid. Something is dipping a piece of fabric into a dye. Now, you don't sprinkle. If you want to dye your shirt, if you want to dye a piece of clothing, you don't sprinkle it. You dip it. In fact, every example in the Bible, and if you study history, every example of every purification rite in the Bible, every baptism or every washing, and all of early Christian literature shows that the early church baptized by immersion. In fact, the earliest known example of infant baptism goes back to the third century. And we know where the history of that came from, and it was mainly due to the plagues in Europe. And there was a bishop there that there were so many people dying and so many children being born and, and, and that they said, listen, let's make sure they get into heaven because they thought that it was a sacrament and that you couldn't get to heaven unless you'd been baptized. So they sprinkled quickly as many people as they could. And they sometimes do thousands of people at a time using a, a branch of a tree or something and just sprinkling. And, okay, you're all baptized. It's all good now. But it was done out of fear. It was done out of a wrong motivation. It wasn't, and it wasn't biblical. Now, the symbolism of being united with Christ in death and resurrection requires immersion because the water symbolizes the grave. How many of you know you don't get buried by sprinkling, you get buried by going into and under the grave. Under, in this case, the water symbolizes the grave. What's the significance of baptism? Why should we be baptized? If baptism is just a symbol of an inner change that takes place in our believer's life, then how essential is it for us to be baptized? That's a good question. 
You see, I believe that baptism is necessary for spiritual growth. I don't believe it's essential for your salvation, but I do believe it's necessary for your spiritual growth. We are saved by repentance and faith, and we're not saved by a magical ceremony. Baptism, baptism isn't a ceremony that saves you. No, you're saved by faith in Christ, by repentance from sin. But Jesus commands us to be baptized. Again, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded, and surely I'm with you till the end of the age. I love that passage of Scripture. All authority has been given to me, he said. That's why we should be baptized, because he says, All authority has been given to me. He says, Therefore, go and teach all nations. And baptize them. He gave us a command. He says, teach, baptize, make disciples. Now, although baptism itself doesn't save us, baptism doesn't wash away our sins, it serves as a first essential step of obedience on the road to discipleship. The Christian life is one of walking in Daily obedience to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, if we, if we fail to obey in such a simple matter as baptism, how, how are we going to obey his more difficult commands? Baptism also serves as a seal of our commitment to Christ. In 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 and 2, it says, And brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant that all of our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Here, here's the Apostle Paul saying, the children of Israel also went through a baptism. When they left bondage, which is our picture, they left the bondage of Egypt, the slavery of Egypt. They made it to the Red Sea and they were baptized. They went through and under the Red Sea. It was pulled back for them, but they went below the sea and came up and were baptized into Moses. There was a baptism. He said, I don't want you to forget that. He says, because that's exactly what's happening to you. You're coming out of bondage. You're being baptized in the name of Jesus, and you're coming out in newness of life. He compares the Israelites crossing the Red Sea to baptism, what baptism should function like in our lives. And that seal on our lives, that seal of faith, is what deters you and I from walking away from Christ. Do you remember the children of Israel? They wanted to go back to Egypt. But what would they always do? They would recount, wait a minute, but did, wasn't it God that took us through the Red Sea? Didn't God? And if you read through the Bible, you'll find out they tell that story all the time. Why? So that they don't go back. So they don't go back into bondage. And there's a certain... In a number of communist countries, the, the sentence, you know, when communism was at, at its highest, and even in this country, we, we didn't have that kind of per persecution. But let me tell you something, it's still frowned upon in this nation. My, many of our followers, although they profess Christianity, are really hardened communistic leaders that do not believe in God, are anti-God and anti-Christ. And they are vocal in not their words, but in their actions in so doing, by the way they treat people. But in one communist country, the sentence for professing faith in Jesus Christ was three years. 
in prison. But the sentence for being baptized in the name of Christ was 14 years. You see, even the communists realized that baptism has the power to consolidate a believer's commitment to Christ. Baptism is to totally immerse and to pull out again. In the biblical sense of the word, the actual Greek word means to immerse completely under. Now there, <laughs> this is funny, but it, it, it's sad. There are many denominations and there are many wars that we've had in the church at large over the topic of baptism. In fact, there's probably been more division over the topic of baptism than any other one. Uh, we fight over the methods of baptism and we fight over how to perform the baptism, both in form and in doctrine. Some doctrines say that we should baptize in the name of Jesus only. Well, that's because although Jesus commanded us to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the scriptures don't see anyone actually baptized in that formula. But let me just suffice to say this, that in the book of Colossians, the Bible says that Jesus is the head of him and the whole Godhead dwells in him. The whole Godhead dwells in Christ Jesus. If the Bible says that the whole Godhead dwells in Christ Jesus, that means that they are three in one and, that, and one in three. So we just take Jesus at Jesus' mandate where he says, baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and we believe that that's how it's supposed to be done. Now, I'm not going to debate with you, and I'm not going to argue over you, with you over the name you want to baptize with, whether it's in the name of Jesus, or it's in the name of Jesus Christ, or it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're not going to fight over that because Jesus commanded that we baptize. He said, go into the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching people, discipling all nations. So we're going to baptize people. In this church, though, we baptize as Jesus commanded, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. So does that make sense? Yes. Just want you to know why we do that. Now, there are also people who will argue that the method about baptizing, and there's lots of them, should be sprinkling. Or you baptize infants, or some people believe that you dip once. Others believe you dip three times. One group will tell you that you need to dip into the Father, into the Son, into the Holy Spirit. Well, we say that those three are one, and we dip once. By the way, we are not dipping into those three things. We are dipping into water. The agent is water, not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The agent for baptism is water. So we just sometimes have to use logic. Other times we just have to be willing to say, hey, listen, I understand that religiously we can get very, very head up about these things. But churches have fought over this doctrine so much, and we've divided ourselves so much, and, and, and that triple dip. If you need a triple dip, well, go ahead and get triple dip. You may need it. I, some of you need it. I have a personal philosophy that for some of you, we hold you under until the bubbles stop. <laughs> But in our church, we're going to baptize you once into the element of water, and we're going to pull you out of that water in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, is that clear? All right. Now, children baptism. Well, why can't children be baptized? I hear somebody saying that. Well, 
The Bible's very clear. The Bible says, repent, believe, and be baptized. So a child has to be able to repent and believe before they qualify for baptism. I've lost at times when people bring me their little babies and say, can you baptize or can you christen our baby? I say, well, no, because in our church, we don't christen, we dedicate. We use the pattern that the Bible has where Jesus, when he was eight days old, was brought to the temple and presented to Simon and to Anna in the temple, and they dedicated him to the Lord. See, when, when Jesus was eight days old, he was dedicated. Now, we can't always get our children here on the eighth day. So what do we do? Well, when you come to understand the need for dedication, we ask you to bring your children. We teach your children. We teach you about child dedication. And, 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 and child dedication is twofold. One side of the coin is that we're dedicating our child to God. We're saying, God, this is, this is a gift you gave to me, and I give him back to you. We see those patterns throughout Scripture. And, and God takes that very seriously. But number two is we're saying, God, not only do I dedicate my child, but I dedicate myself that I will raise this child in a godly way. I'll do everything I can. And, and, and that's why we have things like Be That Man and, and Roots. Because many of us have never really been fathered before. We've never been mothered before the right way. I mean, we, we don't know how to do this. So we're learning. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to raise my children as godly as I can. And I've made tons of mistakes. Tons of mistakes. And I'm paying for them today. And I'm, 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 I'm trying to still learn and say, hey, let's, let's, let's at, at my young age, let's keep working at this. So every month or every other month, we have a baby dedication. So bring your child and we'll dedicate them before the Lord. Now, sometimes we get little babies, but you have to understand that in our church, people are getting born again all the time. I mean, we have all kinds of people getting born again at all different stages of their life. And so from time to time, we have families that come and we have children between the ages of young babies all the way up to 10, 8, 9, 10 years old. And they say, we've never, tech, we've never dedicated our children. Well, that, that's fine. We understand that. And, and so let's bring ourselves into obedience of, hey, we want to dedicate not only our lives, but we want to dedicate our children to the Lord. But there'll come a time when your children will have a conviction of sin in their lives. And they'll understand that they have a need for Jesus and that they need to be born again and that they need to be baptized when that day happens, then you bring them to the baptism class. And just like I'm teaching you this morning, we will teach them, and then we will get them baptized in water. But baptism is for believers. Somebody asked me one time, how, how old do you have to be before you can be baptized? Well, in the Catholic Church, they, have to, they said you have to be at the age of reason. And, and here's what I've learned. I, I, I believe that you must be at an age where you understand what you're doing. So that we... We don't actually set an actual age for a child. We don't say every eight-year-old needs to be baptized. No, we, we say, wait, wait, we, we will question you, we'll question your children, and we'll ask, do they really understand what they're doing? Because this isn't something that we just do as a ritual. This isn't just some sacramental. This is a decision, a choice that we make. This is a belief, and this is an obedience in the heart of a person. And, and, and quite frankly, some children mature faster than others, and some come to the knowledge of their faith faster, and some have a greater propensity towards God than others. I, I remember Reinhard Bonnke, and he said this. He says, and he, by the way, he's one of the greatest evangelists in Africa at one time. And his testimony was this. He says, I thank God that my mom and dad, 
made me go to church every Sunday night. He says, if they hadn't, I don't think I would have given my life to Christ. But at seven, eight, or nine years old, he gave his life to Jesus. And he knew he had to make that decision. And he, and he made a commitment to Christ. And, and, and his life changed Africa in many ways. Thank God for a man who dedicated his life to Christ. Now, that leads me to another thing about baptism. The significance of water baptism. Here's what, here's what I want you to understand for right now. And all I want you to understand is that when a, when a person is baptized in water, his whole body is immersed and then brought out again. And the, and the significance of water baptism is it's a symbol of our identification with the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. But the scripture says it this way. He says that the, the, the scripture refers to Jesus as being the last man or the second Adam. In 1 Corinthians it says, for since death came through one man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ will all be made alive. Verse 45, you've jumped down to it. It says, so it is written, the first man, Adam, came, became a living being. The last man, Adam, a life-giving spirit. So we were born in the flesh through a natural birth. And the Bible talked... Uh, Jesus talked in the Bible to Nicodemus. He says, you must be born of water and the Spirit. Being born of water is being born into this world. It's being born in the first Adam. The first Adam committed high treason. He sinned against God. And in so doing, all man, you and I, all man mankind was born in sin. So that's why we have to be born again. And that's why we have to have a second birth. To become a living spirit, alive to God again. That's why Christianity is a powerful faith and a religion. It's because we believe that Jesus became the sacrifice that we can be born again, come out of death, death spiritually and alive. So the picture I want you to understand is that there are only two people that really count on earth, Adam and Christ. Now, if you're in Adam, you're dead. You're a sinner. In Adam, all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. The sin of Adam created and thrust all of creation and all of mankind into sin. The Catholics and the Anglicans call this original sin. It's called the sin of Adam. It's the sin that we're all born with. We had no choice in it. God, though through his son Jesus, came to pay the price for that sin. He was the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. He died on the cross. We just celebrated that this weekend. Through the Passover. He was the second Adam. He was the last man. And you and I get the choice to accept the sacrifice of that second Adam. The last man. Jesus Christ. Jesus came to be righteous. He became righteousness. He was without sin. He paid the penalty of our sin. But it's our choice. We get to determine which Adam we live in. And if you're born again through your decision, then the next step is to be baptized into Christ. Jesus in his sacrifice. And you have to understand this. He represented us. 
He took our place. When, the, when, when anyone, when you or I or any person receives Jesus as his Lord and Savior, he identifies fully with what happened to Jesus. Look at this on the screen, Romans 6. I want to read it from the Amplified Version. This is pretty powerful. It says, We have therefore been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory and the power of the Father, we too might walk habitually in newness of life, abandoning our old ways. For if we have become one with him, that is permanently united in the likeness of his death, we will also certainly be one with him and share fully in the likeness of his resurrection. We know that our old self, our human nature without the Holy Spirit, was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. God doesn't want us to be slaves to sin. Water baptism is a physical act that should leave an indelible mark in the mind and the heart and the life of every believer that's being baptized. That indelible mark is that there's a reality of being identified with Christ. In reality, we're being buried and resurrected in the newness of life. Corinthians says it this way. It says, when you give your life to Christ, you're a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Water baptism gives every believer the opportunity to openly tell others about their faith in Christ, to testify of their born-again experience. And so I'm going to be asking you, each and every one of you, to do something this next week. Next weekend, here in this church, both services, we're going to have water baptism. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You said, well, we always have water. No, no. We've had water baptism in the backyard. Next Sunday, we're having baptism right here on the, stat on the platform. You know, I, I don't think that this is something that we do correctly. I think we need to change our method. This is really important. If you've never been water baptized, I want you to understand the importance of your testimony and that you testify of your identification with Christ. See, we're not secret Christians. Christianity was never secret. It's always open. So I'm inviting you, every one of you that would like to be baptized, I'm inviting you to do a number of things. I'm inviting you to invite your family, your soul group, especially unsaved members of your family, your friends, especially those that don't know Christ. I'm asking you to invite them. And we're going to have a big event next weekend. And then afterwards, I want you to celebrate. I want you to take the time to prepare. I want you to take your friends home or take them to connections or do something and celebrate with you. Have a bribe. Have them bring their own meat. Have a picnic. Do something. But I'll tell you what. If you have a cell group, that cell group should gather around you. We should celebrate and help you on this day. It's a beautiful, beautiful day. We're going to celebrate. So have you bring something and celebrate this great celebration with them. What are we celebrating? Well, we're celebrating this. This is a man or this is a woman who was dead in sin and is now alive in Christ. So I want you to bring people, especially those of you who'd like to know Christ. Because I promise you, when they see the power of God on your life, when you're baptized, 
they're gonna say, wow, I want that. I want that too. Now, for those that are online, there's a great opportunity for you here. If you've never given your life to Jesus, right now would be a good time to just put your hand on your heart and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I want to repent of my sin and I want to come into your kingdom. And then make your way here to the church. Next weekend, we're going to have a, a training class. And next Saturday, if you're here, we'll go through all the stuff that you need and practice for your baptism on the following Sunday. It's a pretty big event. But if you've never been baptized, be here on Saturday. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.